We go to work, and when we're off, we whine about our day. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Hosted by Transistor.fm. Hey guys, Sarah here. Uh, before we get started with the show, I just want to let you know that uh, because of the pandemic that we're all currently living in, all of the episodes going forward um, were recorded with Zoom, so the quality of the sound is going to be different than what you normally expect. Also, we recorded these episodes ahead of time, so what you're hearing from us doesn't reflect what's currently going on in the world. Uh, who knows what's going on in the world by the time you hear these. Hopefully we're doing better and getting a grip on this crisis. Uh, anyway, hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Whining with Nurses. <laughs> I didn't even hear you. I'm Sarah. I'm Jen. Wait, you didn't hear me when we were saying it? Yeah. Desi and I realized this uh, uh, the last time we recorded. When one of us speaks at the same time as the other one, it like shuts the other one down, so you only hear one voice. Oh, how funny! Okay, so you didn't hear me, maybe? No, I heard you. That's what's <laughs> about it. It only happens sometimes on my end, but like Desi was telling me some story for our Petite Sarah episode, and I was trying to make a joke like the call is coming from inside the house. And when I went back and listened to it later, all you could hear me saying is inside the house oh my gosh <laughs> how funny yeah because i saw your lips moving <laughs> like i know she's talking how's it going it's all right yeah lots to catch up on i think mm-hmm. since we recorded last which is like at the beginning of covid oh my god yeah that was like april the last time that you and i recorded together yeah, and you were also in virginia i think no i was i was in um california at the time. oh you were yeah oh, okay remember because I was recording in my spare bedroom (laughs) um we're supposed to talk about what we're drinking but I don't know if you're drinking anything I am not yet but I have something to open oh you do I do uh okay this is I get this brand every once in a while the brand is I don't know oh Charles Smith Wines so this is Syrah it's called Boom Boom Syrah it's 2017 from Washington State and all their bottles have these cool, just like, you know, uh, sketches. They kind of look like black and white sketches, like from a cartoon or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that. I think I've seen that. And they have other ones that, um, like, there's one that has a big apple on it. I think it's their Chardonnay or something else. And anyway, they all just look, they look like fun and they're not too expensive. And so anyway, I'm going to try it. You'll have to post the photo for everyone mm-hmm. to see. Um, where did you get it? In Virginia? Or did you bring it with it at the grocery store. <laughs> Here? I mean, in Virginia. Virginia. Um, it's a good grocery store called Martin's that usually has a pretty decent selection of wine, but they really scaled down their wine selection. And I don't know if it's COVID related or what, but mm-hmm. I still found this. I wonder if it is, if it's hard for them to ship from California or whatever. Even though you think they'd be wanting to because they need to keep up their sales. Yeah, that's true. Alcohol sales are up. There <laughs> it goes. Uh, how about you? What is later in Virginia? It's only like 1245 here. So, oh yeah, it's still early for you. <laughs> I have a little afternoon wine. <laughs> I still need to work out, <laughs> but I have my, um, I had a smoothie from juice shack. That's what I'm drinking. Okay. Well, I'll do and drink enough alcohol for both of us then. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> just kidding. I'm, I'm to work tomorrow. So I'm just going to have probably a glass and then be done with it for the evening. Well, it's early enough. I mean, tomorrow's still like far away. So that's true. It's three forty-five here. Uh, I'm in Virginia. We should tell everyone recording and Jen's in California. We're doing the old zoom recording again. Three hour difference. So uh-huh. crazy. <laughs> um, and I will tell you, this is the big announcement that there's another reason I'm not drinking. <gasps> <laughs> You're pregnant? Yeah. Yay, congratulations. I'm only like six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's why I wanted to tell you when we were recording so you got the full reaction. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But it's super early and my appointment is Thursday, so hopefully everything's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I just know too much, obviously, because we're in the medical world. Yeah. So, I mean, I know things can happen because it's still early, but hopefully everything's good on Thursday and then I'll know more. Wow. That's really exciting. I'm so happy. Yeah. I was like super surprised. So now we'll have to track my pregnancy during, well, I mean, Kat's probably been doing it too, but during the COVID, you know, being pregnant during this whole COVID thing. Yeah. Yeah. All that COVID sex paid off. I know all that quarantine baby for sure. <laughs> Proud to say Kat was pregnant before quarantine. So mine's officially a quarantine baby. <laughs> You've been very productive during yeah. the quarantine. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I have to pee all the time. So far, that's my only symptoms is really thirsty and have to pee all the time. And I don't know, not much else. That's why I didn't know I was pregnant. I was like, oh. That means it's going to be a girl this time. Probably. <laughs> just yeah. no idea, but I'm just yeah. <laughs> like to make a prediction. And my sense of smell is really keen, but... Oh yeah, smell the Syrah. What are you getting? Cherries <laughs> and <laughs> there might be some cherries actually. Yeah. Um and some um nutmeg. Yes, definitely. Okay. Meg, yeah, that might be it. <laughs> right through the computer. <laughs> All the way across the states. <laughs> it is earthy. It's got a little bit of spice something in it. Maybe nutmeg is it. And um I don't know. That's it. I'm just going to drink it now. Yeah. Mm. So what's been happening with work lately? Any changes there at your hospital? You know, we were actually doing pretty good on COVID patients. And then I think we've gotten some more recently. Now that everything's like opened up again, I hear there's more cases. Not that there's like so many hospitalized, but what's scared me is well, they did start testing everyone when they come in, but a lot of times, and they were testing everyone regardless, even if they didn't have symptoms, just as like statistics. What's that? Every patient that's admitted gets tested. Yeah. But a lot of times it takes like 48 hours for it to come back. Mm. And what scared me is patients have come back positive and they've already been paired with people. People have been in there without any PPE because they're not like admitted for that reason, but then they turn up positive. Mm. And then we have to like isolate that patient and then kind of like monitor the other patients that were maybe in the room with them and the nurses. And the thing is they're still having the nurses come to work and they're like, yeah, everything should be fine. Just monitor your symptoms for two weeks and still come to fucking work. And hopefully you don't get it. Wear your mask. So then to me, that's like exposing everybody. Okay. All right. I have some thoughts about this. Like I get why you would want to know if someone is positive for COVID, but if they have no COVID symptoms and they test positive, then what good does it do you to have that knowledge? Like, I don't do anything differently with your nurses either. Like what good, you're not changing their treatment plan. Right. So like, well, no, but then you end up finding out, but I think it is like a statistical thing. I don't know. So weird. I went like, I've been thinking about, you know, hearing about the cases going up and I feel like a lot of it's probably, and it's not just me that has this feeling. I've also heard this on like other podcasts and news and stuff that the case rate is going up because we're testing so many more people. We just know about more than what we would have before, you know? And that's probably, that is true too. That's absolutely true. I know that's true. So I don't know how many people are actually like symptomatic and hospitalized. Mm -hmm. Um, I know what they're doing now, which makes me feel better is supposedly they're testing people. Well, I think they're doing like the rapid tests on people that we have coming in for like surgeries, like the scheduled surgeries or people that maybe had a trauma and they need to test them quicker Mm -hmm. because they are trying, they opened up one unit at our hospital to be like, well, their tests are pending. So now if we find other positives, so it does make me feel better that they're doing that. Mm -hmm. And it just scared me because then I was pregnant and now I don't want to be especially like exposed to that. Yeah. You know, if that's the case. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, now they opened up a special unit that's supposed to be like, well, their tests are pending. They go there. And then we, and people are at least, I think the nurses are at least just wearing, um, an N95 and a face shield. Okay. Well, the test pen, and then when they come back negative, they will come to the units. Have you t- swabbed anyone? Have you done a COVID test for anybody? Yeah, there's new ones now. When I was precepting a new employee, we did the old one, you know, the one that like goes all the way up the nose, like to the brain. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go to the brain, but they it looks rough. She almost like swatted our hands away because I'm sure it was uncomfortable. Yeah. But now they have a new one that's like the MRSA swab that just goes up the nose, you know, so you just get in the nares. Okay. I have a new one. And yeah, I haven't, I haven't swabbed anyone for COVID this whole time. So, but I heard there was a change. That's better. That you so don't much have. better. Yeah. Cause I was like scared to get it done myself. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want one. So I haven't decided to, unless I do an antibody test because I'm like, well, I know I don't have it right now. So what's the point of me testing right now? Yeah. You know? Cause that could change any time. Right. Uh, one of our friends, one of our girlfriends got swabbed for COVID and she said she felt like she had been brain raped. Ew. <laughs> so violating. She said they, they stick it, you know, all the way back. Like I guess it's to your pharynx. Um, and then they have to, she said the person doing it told her they had to leave it there for 15 seconds. So like for 15 seconds, she kind of rotated it back and forth. Yeah. I just wanted to gag when I heard her describing it. Like, I know when I went to do it, and that lady. Well, we did it to the lady, and she was like swatting her hand away. So we did as much as we could. I'm like, I don't know how much we got, but I'm sure she doesn't have it. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, glad they have a new test for it. I know. I don't know why they couldn't just do the nares before. Mm-hmm. Are you guys allowing visitors again or have, do you have a new? Um, they were allowing certain situations. It's like opening up more um, definitely than compared before, but it's not just like a free for all. Mm-hmm. Like I think they still have to be chosen. I don't know how they're deciding who can come in, but like I had a 17 year old the other day and they let her parents come in. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I've had like some dementia patients that they've let the daughters or whoever come in mm-hmm. family members say we've been allowing. So we have certain hours, there's daytime hours and then there's evening hours and you're allowed to have one visitor in a 24 hour period. So they could come okay. daytime period or they could come for the evening period. They can't come for both. And it's only one person. Okay. They get screened like the same as every hospital staff does when they come in, you know, get your or ask about symptoms, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, same with us. It's weird having visitors again after not having them for so long. Not that I was working so much or anything, but the few times I did work in the past couple months at the hospital and there were no visitors and it was just very quiet. And um, it's kind of nice because you can focus on your patients a lot more. But on the other hand, it's nice to have some visitors there because they can answer questions for patients or, you know, just. I know, I know where I work they're wanting at least a day shift to be reaching out and documenting that they've talked to family, which just, I think that sounds even harder mm-hmm. than like having family there because, you know, it's not now it's like an extra expectation, mm-hmm. but I'm like, if they're not calling, then I don't understand why you have to go out of your way to do that. I don't know how I would feel about it. Um, I don't know if making a call, if that could be, you know, a, a limited amount of time because you never know how much time you're going to end up being on the phone when you call. Yeah. But if you could just call and give, you know, a brief update and I think I might, I might be okay with that. Yeah. But I just feel like whenever I have talked to family or they call and then you're not even the nurse for that patient and then they end up like talking to you for 10 minutes about all their questions. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I don't even know who you are, what's going on with this person, but you know, they have so many questions and it's almost like more for the doctor. Mm-hmm. like so many, they're like, is this normal? Is this, you know, how long are they going to be here? Like, what's this, like, what's the next treatments? Like what's the normal treatment plan? You know, it's just sometimes too much. And you're like, I have no idea. Like, yeah. and it's like, if they were there at the hospital, they might catch the doctor or be able to talk to the social worker or I don't know. Um, <laughs> it just made me think about uh, one of the benefits of having visitors in the hospital. It's just for 
elderly patients that need a companion, you know, like they yeah. need to be with them. There was this patient the other day that wasn't mine, but I, I had a patient in the bed next to him and it was really busy. Everyone was really busy that day. And I had the, the patient I was taking care of was on a bunch of different drips and things kept happening. And I had to keep going in and adjusting things and, you know, putting up new stuff. So meanwhile, I'm passing the guy in the front bed. And finally, he's like, people keep passing by me here and no one stops to say hello. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm sorry. Hello. How are you? You know, is there something I can help you with? And then he starts asking about getting up to the chair and he had a chest tube and was connected to all different kinds of things. And I'm like, let me get your nurse. And then he just kept wanting to talk and talk <laughs> every time I would go past yeah. him. He wanted to stop me. And I was like, well, I'm rushing past you because I'm taking care of your neighbor and he has a lot of things going on. And then I have some other patients. So can I get your nurse? And it's just like, and I'm busy AF. No, I know. That's what I hate about having when they share rooms. And I had that too, because we had two total joint sharing a room a couple of weeks ago and they're not really supposed to do that, but our census was back up again. And, you know, first of all, we have so much equipment. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, he was like asking me, Oh, when you're done over there. And I had a lot to do with my guy. Cause he like came back to surgery late and he was in a lot of pain and I was trying to get stuff going for him, like all his fluids and pain meds and do his assessment. And the guy's like asking me stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what you're asking. And he's setting off the bed alarm and I'm like, or the chair alarm. And I'm like, can you just use your call? Like, cause no one was coming. Cause it's like our busiest time of the night. You know, it's just like right when we kind of get there and everyone's like scrambling around and I'm like, I can't take care of him. Uh-huh. And you know, when, how we do the four eyes, you guys probably do that too. Like when someone comes back from surgery or new, newly admitted, you have to have another nurse come and make sure they don't have any pressure ulcers. So I was having the lead nurse come in with me to do that. And then he's setting off the chair alarm and she's like supposed to be helping me, you know, it just kept happening. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like I cannot help you right now. Cause I have five patients of my own. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's frustrating. I know. And he just wanted to walk around, but you know, he had just had a hip total hip done too. And we don't want people to like walk around on their own just in case they fall. Mm -hmm. I'm like, sir, just stay in bed until I can get your nurse. Change of shift chaos. Oh, it's the worst. Yep. Um, people need something. What's that? That's all of a sudden when people need something. I know. I know. I like how when you go through hospital orientation and they tell you, you know, before you end your shift, go in and check on your patient in the last hour and let them know I have an hour left. Is there anything I can do for you? Blah, blah, blah. I do that all the time. It doesn't make that much of a difference. You know, it's like people don't need something until they need it. And then it just <laughs> it's to be true. Time, you know, <sighs> I know and there's like nothing you can do because we don't have a resource nurse at that time. Yeah. Resource nurses would be great. It yeah. Oh my God. And a research tech or MA, you know, just someone to like answer the call. Like they have to do reports. Oh yeah. I know. It's just crazy. And you tell them, I know she's like, I've been calling in pain for like 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, that was like five minutes before we did shift change. Yeah. So, yeah. There's probably, that's why the care partner didn't call me. Cause they know there's no way we're going to get pain meds for them right now. Man, there's some little bug flying around. It's just been busy lately. Yeah. Hmm. So done. I'm getting back into my hospital orientation here in Virginia tomorrow. Um, so I'm still on orientation on days this week, tomorrow, mm -hmm. Thursday, and then next week I switch to nights. I have three days for three nights of orientation. And then I think I'm done. I'm on my own. Are you doing nights? I'm going to orient on both. And then I'm going to see whatever is available because it's per diem and just work. Right. With oh, cool. Okay. But I have a feeling I'll probably start with nights just because it's a really busy unit and I want to get into the swing of things and. They don't really take breaks on day shift and I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really hard to get your breaks. It's all on a budget now. They, they don't, um, it's just such a big, big difference working in California and then another state because like they don't have mandated ratios and they don't follow the same labor laws about having to take your breaks and everything. 
my unit does follow a ratio of four to one and they'll even cap it at three to one if the patients are really acutely ill which is great because they don't have to and when i worked in virginia before they didn't do that at the hospital i was at so that's amazing and the patient checks are really capable and they are they're busy they they really help you out a lot that's good i'm gonna um um, sorry, everyone. I just paused it because I'm at uh, my brother's house and my nieces just came home and I was hearing some background noise. But anyway, we were talking about uh, the different work culture, East Coast versus West Coast or versus California. I don't know about all of the West Coast by any means, but just like um, so they have uh, they say that they have a lunch break, but they don't really get like a designated time where someone is covering your break at the unit I'm working on now. So if you want to get a lunch break, you basically need to find a good time in the day where you've wrapped everything up, you know, tied up all your loose ends for the time being, and then make sure no one around you is already on a break and see if someone can keep an eye on your patients. So, so you don't sign up for like a lunch break. No. And there's not a charge nurse to relieve you. And oh, there's not. Okay. So you really, if you're on break, someone else is watching your four patients and vice versa. Like another nurse. Yeah, another nurse with their own patient load. Then they have like eight patient ratio. Huh. Then they have like an eight patient ratio, essentially. Not on the unit that I'm on. They they have a four, it's four to one. It's not but like I mean, a or anything. someone though. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Eight patients. So, um, and that's kind of like, I don't know how to get away with it in California. And that's where we've had a big problem with the lead nurses even breaking patients because nurses because technically like that's even illegal oh really well yeah because the lead nurses have their own responsibilities they shouldn't be responsible for taking on five patients oh i didn't know it was illegal though i mean it makes sense why it doesn't it's not a good idea but yeah i've taken a couple legal classes and like that's why we've been fighting so hard to get break and relief nurses you've taken legal classes well, I took one that was through our, well, our union put it on, but it was like other hospitals in the area weren't invited to come. It was like CEUs and such, but this one nurse, and it was pretty fascinating, but it kind of scared the shit out of me because they were talking about all the legal aspects of nursing. And it was very broad. I mean, she could have talked about this for like five days, mm-hmm. but it was like all into like a seven hour class, you know, and at the Flamingo. And she you know, it talked about many different things, but some of it was documentation. Some of it was, if you don't have a break nurse, like how legally it puts us in a bad spot as a lead or whoever the nurse is that's taking on those patients when you're on a break. Okay. Yeah. So she pretty much said that we should have break and relief nurses. And that's why we fought so hard to get them. So like when we're at a certain census. We do get a break nurse for four hours on night shift Mm -hmm. that then the nurses can take lunch breaks and lead still does break one of the nurses and it's supposed to be checking in on those patients. But I mean, it's still kind of like the lead is taking patients then, which is not okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's illegal, but they put it in our contract now that if the lead ever does have to take patients, like they're short nurses in general, like for a 12 hour shift or any part of that shift, Mm-hmm. they're supposed to get paid like double time or something. Oh, wow. Because well, the leads are so busy with their own responsibilities. They can't really be taking on patients. That makes sense. Yeah. So I have to look more into it though on like what's okay. Cause like a 30 minute break, it's like, we kind of let it slide, but like if something happened to that patient during that time period, like then you're responsible. Yeah. And that's kind of scary. So it is scary. And I feel like that's kind of where some of the culture here is inspired from, you know, that you're responsible and there's no one who's officially watching your patients while you're on your break. So people don't really take an actual break. Like you can't go to the cafeteria and sit there and eat your food or go outside when you're on a break. You every, Almost everyone just brings food from home and you are in the break room. And if something comes up with your patient, you just leave your break and go out and take care of your patient. And I'm sure to a lot of nurses that don't work in California, this sounds very whiny, you know, like that yeah. complain that you have to do that. But I mean, I would argue that it's, I think it's a healthy behavior to get a break for the nurse. It prevents 
burnout, you know, or it helps to avoid burnout as much. Yeah. It helps the brain to reset and process what's happened, you know, it, like, I don't know. I don't like the notion of just working through everything all day and feeling rushed all day. And like, uh, anyway, not barely getting a bathroom break. I, I like when I was doing, um, my first day of orientation, I had this nurse that was excellent and, um, we were having a really good morning, but it was 10 30 or something. And I was like, Hey, do you ever go to the bathroom? <laughs> Like normally by this time in the morning, I'll at least have like gone to the bathroom once, you know, and I just just felt guilty having to leave because nobody else was leaving the nursing station, you know, (laughs) it's just weird getting used to this culture again. And I think it'll be slightly more relaxed on night shift. Um, So yeah, I'm going to start with night shift. Will you have to take on any more patients on night shift or is it still the four to one or three to one? I think it's still four to one. I hope so. Yeah. And is it 12 hour shifts or eight hour? It's 12. Okay. I know that's when it's like already so busy that you need that 30 minute break. Yeah. 30 minutes and a whole hour shift. Like yeah, just walk away from your patient care responsibilities and really just check out for a minute, you know? So there's no lead at all. There is, but they, and they're called a unit coordinator and they do a lot of different things. So, you know, they have typical lead responsibilities like assignments and like moving patients in beds and like, uh, you know, they go to the meetings about care planning and I don't even know all the things that lead nurses do, but it seems like a lot of different meetings and things that they have to go through during the day. Um, yeah, Yeah. they don't, I don't think really have time to break anyone. Okay. I know. And that's the thing is they, the leads now we have to do a lot more because, you know, I'm a relief lead. So I do it sometimes, but mm-hmm. like we have to do so much more now. So it's like, you don't have time to be like helping the nurses, which sucks. And that's what I don't like about doing lead. You're not doing nursing, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing all this like paperwork and yeah, it seems like a lot of admin stuff, especially on day shift. Um, I'll say the lead nurses at the hospital I work at in California, um, they do a lot of not patient care, but they really help you. They're a good resource for patient care stuff. Like they round with our surgical team. So if you don't get a chance to be there when the doctor rounds, the lead nurse has gone to round on every single patient. So then they'll give you the update and then they keep an eye on things for you. Like our um, lead nurse the other day, she sits by the monitor and she noticed that my patient's heart rate was in the low fifties. And I just hadn't been over to the monitor and seen it anytime recently. And that was like a reason to hold the amiodarone drip I was giving. And it's just like helpful, you know, little things like that all throughout the day where they notice something and they tell you and you're like, great. If you weren't sitting there, it might've been another hour or two before I'd noticed that, you know? Yeah. Cause you don't have a teletech there. We do, but they don't necessarily know like every protocol that's going on. So I yeah. could call the teletech and been like, Hey, call me if this patient patient's heart rate drops below 55. Yeah. But that's kind of, I, I don't know if, if we all did that, that might be a lot for the teletech to <laughs> keep an eye on. But anyway, that's true. that's true. It's something to think about in the future. I could just call and ask to do that. Yeah. I know. So I was talking, had lunch with my sisters today, um, my two sisters who work at the same hospital, and my youngest sister who's in nursing school, she was um, kind of fretting about whether or not nursing is the right career for her, which she worries about every once in a while. And she's just, I think, more introverted than what most nursing requires you to be. And she was saying, man, I should have just been, i have gone to school and been a med tech. And I wasn't even sure really what a med tech was. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I think it's, they have them at some of the memory care places and SNFs. I don't know about SNFs, but like maybe assisted living where they go and bring medications. Okay. Deliver medications. I think it's one of those things where it means different things in different states. Because here, she was talking about someone who works in the lab and does all of the specimen testing. Oh, take the blood and you run the test and you take the stool and the urine and do all the micro stuff. And like, that sounds really fun to me. And it just got me thinking about, okay, if I could have any other career in healthcare, what would it be? <laughs> I know I saw that on your list. What would it be for you? You would do that? 
I would like, I mean, there, I have a, a couple of things that sound like fun. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun for me. And if I think if money wasn't an option, I might like that a lot, even though it's gross blood and body fluids and stuff. I like, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Petri dishes and test tubes. And I think that's kind of cool. I know. And you know what I love when you go in the lab and you see platelets, bags of platelets on those little machines that shake it back. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That fascinates me. I know that. Yeah. It could be kind of interesting to work like in the, the blood bank. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So um, not my pick. Um, I have a couple other ideas too. Do you, have you thought about it? Do you know what you would want to do? Well, at first I was like, I have no idea. Like I, but then I was thinking maybe an ultrasound tech, but not for the heart, but for babies, you know, well, there's even other ultrasounds. Like they come around, you know, and they look at the kidneys, they look at the whatever, mm-hmm. but like a sonogram. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that would be really interesting and cool. And it's usually a happy kind of experience, but then, and I don't think you're usually the one to report it, but you might have to be the one to talk to the doctor, you know, say there was something abnormal, Uh huh. you know, and you're talking about like a, like a fetal sonographer, a fetal sonogram. Okay. Yeah. And is that a specialty? Like, do they have people who do specifically that or do you have to like do other? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. I mean, I assume that's like the, what they would normally do, but just like the cardiac, you know, how echo is like its own sonogram, even though you probably know how to do other kind of things. Yeah. Um, that's like what they specialize in. So I'd assume you would know, have to know more about like what you're looking at anatomically with the babies and the angles and the, you know, it's very technical. Like when I've gotten to get them done, mm-hmm. like there's a whole technique. <laughs> When you've gotten them done, so it's a sonographer and not the physician that does your yeah. a sonographer. Yeah. Okay. Actually, well, when I did the, let's see, I feel like the doctor was there. So like when you're early on in pregnancy, you have to do the transvaginal. And sometimes they have to do that too, to like, look, get a better look at the baby, especially when they're smaller though. Cause they have to go up the vagina and they use like a special probe. <laughs> and um, I feel like that was the doctor. But then there's a nurse at my doctor's office that she was learning how to do it. Mm-hmm. But then when I went to, when I was at my 20 week and 30 week and I had to go, there's a UCSF office here. Mm-hmm. And that's what our doctor's office goes with. Like where I go, they have a collaboration with UCSF. So they have an office here that has like better equipment. So they use the UCSF staff that comes here like twice a week. And then they use their sonographer, who's just like a tech. Okay. And then the doctor comes in and just like reviews everything and makes sure everything looks good. And they'd be the one to tell you if something was wrong. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that, that does seem like it would be a fun job if you're, you know, specialized in just that and you get to like, hear the heartbeat and do all the different measurements and like just participate in what's usually really. Yeah. And some people do the pay to do the 3d ones. Cause you can do that separately and pay separate. I think. Oh, cool. I also think, um, I mean, obviously I would really like to be going to wound care. Oh yeah. Still nursing, but it's nursing. Yeah. Um, but I think, my final answer, and this is funny because I started to go into this field originally. I, I think I would want to be a dentist. And okay. When I was in um, getting my first undergrad degree, I was in school for psychology, and I joined this um, dental association or like future dental association or whatever. <laughs> and I wanted to go into dental school, and we, you know, got to see different presentations, and you know, they would help you with like applying and making sure that you're getting all of your prerequisites done and everything. And then I changed my mind because it was a lot of schooling and I just didn't want to go to that much more schooling after I graduate with my bachelor's degree. So I didn't, but man, I really love, uh, teeth and (laughs) the stuff I did learn during that program was super cool. And just how you have to look at, um, the mouth upside down and backwards a lot because they're using mirrors to see, you know, so you have to like visualize things differently and it's technical, it's hands-on, you get to do, you know, it seems kind of crafty, like trying to rebuild someone's oh tube. 
And um, anyway, the lifestyle seems pretty good. You could have been a hygienist. I could have been. They, they do pretty well too. Yeah. Um, that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Someone tried to talk me into that before and I was like, no, <laughs> I don't like teeth that much. <laughs> I'd be bored. Um, but I guess, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I guess one thing I did think about before was physical therapy. Mm-hmm. That was my first degree was exercise science. Mm-hmm. So then I was kind of thinking physical therapy. And one of my other good friends was planning to become a nurse and she had the same degree as me, but then it just didn't work out getting into nursing school or whatever. So she ended up becoming a physical therapist and now they make you get a doctorate in it. So she has like a doctor's in physical therapy. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah. You're like, I'm a doctor. Exactly. Last week when I recorded, it was with my niece, Emily, who just got her doctorate in physical therapy. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And it's her um her zoom name with you know whenever we have a zoom meeting it's dr blank you know her last name and the patient (laughs) that's like their family team trivia name (laughs) like that crazy so you would be a physical therapist you think yeah would you with like inpatient outpatient um like adults or oh i probably prefer outpatient (laughs) yeah yeah PT seems really hard. I know. And that's one reason I didn't want to do it. Cause I was like, I don't want to break anybody. But then I think about it and I'm like, okay, like I was a personal trainer and some of the stuff I did actually was kind of like physical therapy based, you know, and then I have to do it with myself when I've had, have had injuries and I've had to go to physical therapy and I liked that environment, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just think it all goes hand in hand. So, and now that I have like a better orthopedic background, you know, with the kind of nursing I'm doing too. Yeah. I feel better prepared for that, but still, I think it would be tough. It all is tough. You know, I know there's somebody and I were having a conversation recently. Like there's no easy job in healthcare. There's just nothing that's easy. Although I do sometimes I see other people in the hospital and out and I just think, man, they're probably making the same amount of money as I am, or maybe more. And there, it just seems like the lifestyle is less stressful or the work day is less stressful or I don't know. I'm sure it comes with its own stressors, but um, definitely other professions don't have to deal with as much poop, like actual <laughs> poop, you know? Yeah. And like mm, metaphorical poop too, like people just being shitty to you. Yep. It's like you have in some healthcare fields, you have a much more limited time with patients. Yeah. If they're mean, you just do your thing and like get out of there. I know. Like, sometimes I'm like, it would be nice to be in the ER and just be like, bye. <laughs> Even though I usually like to have like a rapport with my patients and see the same people over and over again. But, mm-hmm. you know, but then if they're shitty, you don't want to do that. But I don't know. You might get to know people too. Like people that don't feel good are just assholes. You know, they're in pain. I've had people apologize. I've had many patients apologize. Yeah. For being crazy. I'm sorry. I was crazy. Yeah. I didn't feel good, dude. That's me. A hundred percent. If I'm tired, if I'm really tired or hungry or don't feel good in some way, and I just become a monster. And then I realize it later. I'm like, oh my God, I was so mean. I was just so because I didn't feel I never do that to like someone I don't know. <laughs> when I was in the hospital, you know, just having a baby, but believe me, I had no sleep. I was hungry. <laughs> I was not rude to anybody. I don't know if I'm rude to people when I don't feel good. I don't realize it until it's already happened. So like, I'm sure I, ha- I mean, not that I've been a patient in patient or I'm just talking about in general. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm sure I have been though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everybody has. Um, all right. Well, I guess we can move on to our segment of whining about COVID. And uh, unless you had anything else you wanted to say about potential jobs in healthcare. <laughs> no, I mean, my fun one for sure would be sonographer, but yeah, probably PT is what I would do. Okay. Um, so for this segment about uh it's just, you know, whining about COVID, anything COVID related. It can be as 
petty or as serious as you want. <laughs> oh, I'm just over it. I mean, I'm not over, I know that people are going crazy and that's why there's more cases probably because they're like, I'm getting out of here and I'm going to go to the restaurants and like touch everything and get my little germies everywhere. And that's why I'm not going there. <laughs> and I'm just tired of now there's more traffic and I'm like, what the fuck are people doing? Like, why the fuck do you have to go to TJ Maxx right now? You know, like I liked it when everyone was sheltering in place. Cause I could just like get home easily and like go pick up Jack's when I needed to and like get where I needed to be. And now the Starbucks is all backed up and I'm like, hello nurse here. I need my coffee. Like stat. Oh my God. Like out of here. You're probably not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not going inside because I got a baby. So move. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, not like you're complying anyway to any of these rules. <laughs> um, my complaint is that like now that things are starting to open back up again. Um, okay. So there's different mandates in various states about you have to wear masks indoors. Oh, yeah. And some places where it's mandated that you wear masks, people aren't doing it. And it just annoys me. And I'm not like a huge proponent of like, we should wear masks all the time. I don't think it's reasonable to have to do it outdoors unless you're standing right in someone's face and talking. Yeah. But if you're in a grocery store or in another store where people can hardly avoid each other sometimes, and there's a sign on the door that says, wear the mask, just wear the freaking mask. We know more now about how it's spread. And like, they're saying that more of it is like, it's not so much contact related as they originally thought. And I heard this from another podcast. I, it was on the daily podcast. They interviewed some science guy, official news here. I heard, it from <laughs> guy. Uh, but that if you're, you can spread it from just the aerosolized. Yes. That comes That's what I've heard too. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, we know that now just put a mask on. It's so easy to do. And like, it's, it's required. And I go in stores and people have them just under their chin or they don't have them at all. And I'm just under like, their nose. <laughs> yeah. Like, how did you even get in the store? What's the store putting up the signs for if they're not going to enforce it? And anyway, don't ruin it. What else, everybody, now that it's opening back up, don't ruin it. I know. I think it's been pretty good here. still, but California is where you're supposed to have it on. Um, and it always was Sonoma County, I think, but yeah, if I'm like going on a run or something, I don't wear one, you know, or a hike, like I bring it, I guess. But mm-hmm. it's usually easy to avoid people versus like, yeah, when you're in a store. Right. Like you definitely would need one. And, and you don't want to be like breathing your breath all over stuff that everybody's going to touch, even though we know it's not so much contact related. <laughs> Just that helps, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. No, it's just bad. I don't know what people are thinking. Plus, I know people are doing more gatherings, and that kind of makes me nervous. Like, I don't know. We even felt bad because we did, like, a Father's Day thing, but I was trying not to, like, hug people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just, like, we're all going to get it if that's the case, though. Like, if Jax is going to daycare, and now they've kind of opened that up to everybody, Cause now that more jobs have started, you know, now it's like not so much like essential workers going to work. It's like more people going to work. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We see. But it was kind of nice to shelter in place. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, we know it was nice for you. I know what you were up to. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's just easier. I don't know why places aren't going back to that. Some places are like, we've done whole foods, like pickup, like they just bring it out to your car. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had ordered online at Michael's and it was nice cause you could order online and then pick it up at the store and they would bring it out to your car. And I had done that a couple weeks ago. And I guess it was like literally the day or two after they reopened our store and they said they wouldn't bring it to me to my car and I had to go in cause our store is open now, but I had the baby in the car and I'm like, well, I'm not going to go in. Yeah. And cause what I ordered too, was like this cart to like hold a bunch of my crafting stuff. And I'm like, I can't carry that and him. And yeah, you know, I'm not going to put him in like a cart. Like that's just stupid right now. <laughs> Bring it back out to me. Just please. I know. It's just like, well, we're open now. And she basically hung up on me and I was so annoyed. And I go on their website and they say that they have multiple options that you could pick up 
in the store and they bring it out to you or you could shop there or you could shop strictly online and ship it to you. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why would they not adopt those practices? Like that protects them too. Yeah. I feel like it's, there's a lot of things that have been put in place during this time and they're good ideas and we should just keep them going, you know? Yeah. It just made it so much easier and quicker. It's just like, everything's ready to go. Just bring it out to my car. I've already paid for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I did go in the store, like the next week when I had him in daycare, the baby, I was able to like go in the store and then a guy brought it out to this out with me anyway. Hmm. He like helps me bring it out to the car. So I'm like, so that guy could have helped the other day. Like he could have just brought it out to my car. Like you don't need me to come in the store to do that. Why? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I wish some things would just stay in place. Like how a lot of people have been working from home and it's just like, Oh, that's been working. People keep working at home. You know, I haven't gotten sick during this whole thing, you know, not a cold or anything. And I feel it's because I haven't been (laughs) to people. It's been great. (laughs) I agree. And they've been cleaning everything so much, you know? Yeah. Cause they've been wiping down the carts more. So when I do go to the store and you know, people are wearing masks, so you're not going to get their nasty ass, whatever. <laughs> what about, um, is there anything good that's been, uh, happening lately that's COVID related or not? Or like, I have one, if you need to think about it, you have one that's related. No, you go ahead. Okay. So, uh, you know, I've been flying back and forth a lot and I really appreciate how some airlines are keeping their flights at, they're not filling them completely up. And this isn't an advertisement for Southwest or anything, but I usually <laughs> Southwest and they've been keeping the middle seat open on all of their flights, which is awesome because more people are flying again, but you're not going to be on a packed flight. It's just more comfortable and you don't have to worry so much about germs and they're wiping everything down and they've changed their boarding process and they're only doing like water and a little snack. They're not offering full food and beverage. It just makes the flight feel less complicated and more comfortable, you know? And well, that kind of sucks, though. What if you wanted your glass of wine? I did think about that, but um, I don't know. I can live without it, I guess. It's just <laughs> you know, to have the middle seat open. I feel less anxious, and that just makes it feel more comfortable, you know? So they are still doing aisle, though, and window, so, like, someone might have to scoot next to you, though? No, there's never going to be someone right next to you unless it's your family member. So I sat in the window seat. There was nobody oh, okay. So the aisle or like the whole row would be yours unless it's your family. No, no, you would, it would be you, no one. So someone could be on the window and you could be on the aisle and they might have to scoot next to you. Why would they scoot next to you? Because they have to go to the bathroom or get the fuck up. Cause yeah, I mean, that makes me anxious is like an airplane. You can't get up and it stresses me out. (laughs) I would feel stuck if I was that person on the window seat. I almost always sit in the window seat and I like it the way it is now because you don't have to make two people get up. If you have to go to the bathroom, it's just one person. Yeah. So for me, it's not a big deal. I'm a window seat person anyway, (laughs) but anyway, it's been nice. And there also have been a few flights where there only were like nine people or one where there was 20 people. And anyway, that's just a perk of this, but so in general, you could probably sit in your own row. Yeah, I totally sat in my own row. I mean, we all sat in our own rows on that nine-person flight. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, no, that is that is better. No, I agree. That's what I mean. Like, I like how they're, when you go to a store or something, it is like they're limiting how many people can go in and they're wiping everything down more. So that's something I do like and that you can go pick up, you know, in general, you could order something and just do a curbside pickup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I wish it would just stay like that. Totally. And I think some places are, but you know, but yeah, I went to the outlet store today and it was like really hard to shop because I was telling you earlier, you can't try clothes on, which does make sense. But then I'm like, okay, I may as well just shop online. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So shopping is still kind of difficult. Shopping is. Um, well, guys, that's our, uh, you know, our wines and, and uh, such. For- <laughs> uh, you can get in touch with us at www.nurses.gmail.com. 
We're on Facebook at Whining W Nurses. That's Whining spelled W-I-N-I-N-G. And Instagram, Whining with Nurses. All right. Have a glass of wine for me. I will. Cheers. Cheers. These short teasers are excerpts from comedian Aiden Park's book, The Art of Being Yay. Think self-empowerment with a comedic twist. These are tough times we're all going through. Who couldn't use a little mental health wellness and laughter? For more of The Art of Being Yay, visit AidenPark.com. That's A-I-D-A-N-P-A-R-K.com. Sponsored by The Laugh Cellar and Storygram Podcast Network. Their problem with relying on external conditions for your own happiness is that things are completely out of your control. Has 2020 coronavirus taught you anything? <laughs> Look, I'll talk about me. 2020 was supposed to be my year, okay? I have a political consulting business that I, that I work with. <laughs> I have a lot of side businesses, but um, I have one of those and 2020 was going to be a huge year for me, you know, doing um, uh, during the presidential season and uh, the coronavirus shut everything down. So I'm not making any money doing that. This was supposed to be my year. If I was relying on that going right so that I could have money in my bank account so I could be happy while well, I'm screwed. And on some level, everybody's experiencing this. I've seen posts on Facebook. 2020 was the year that I was going to get married in Milan. Sorry, pandemic, you know. Or, oh, 2020 was going to be the year that I make it in comedy. Sorry. <laughs> no stages are open, so good luck with that. I actually have a friend who got a new set of, you know, implants. <laughs> and she, and, and the, the reality is those implants are only as great as they are to be appreciated. So if no one can get close enough to you within six feet to appreciate your new tatas, well, then you wasted your implants for right now, right? I mean, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear the noise, does it really make a sound? I mean, it's the same thing. Like, oh, great, great looking things. You know, nobody's there to appreciate you for it. They told me to stop being un-PC on these posts and be more serious, but I just can't. <laughs> I think I'm too amusing. <laughs>